podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Malby. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the international break. I'm not sure. How did how did the Republic of Ireland, did they do anything? Or... <laughs> May I'd love to tell you that I enjoyed it and I watched it closely. But I made a conscious decision uh, maybe two years ago to just opt out for a little while. The Stephen Kenny reign is becoming intolerable. Uh, The experiment just will not die and it needs to. Um, And I think an awful lot of people gave him more time than was probably fair because we were trying to get away from the contrast of this getting the big name manager from England, the the, the Martin O'Neill's, you know, in the wake of Jack Charlton, that was what we seemed to do. And this guy is obviously homespun and has had success in the domestic league and it just hasn't worked, Jan, at all. It just has not worked at all. It's very difficult to watch. What about Denmark? Any joy from your end? Well, we had two wins uh, against Kazakhstan and, and San Marino. The football, for a minute, I thought it was Manchester United, you know, we're playing the same red in there. To be fair, it was pretty dire fair, I have to say. But, we'll, you know, we're looking, we're looking like we'll qualify, which is obviously, with, from Denmark's point of view, ideal because it's in Germany, isn't it? It's only over the border, isn't it? So, you know, we always talk about an Irish invasion of tournaments, isn't it? You know, this will be an invasion of the Danes just crossing the border to be all over Germany because the last time they had the World Cup in 2006 we missed out so uh, we're due one in Germany and it looks like we'll, we'll, we'll be okay well, it looks like you'll be my team to support again. The way things are going for us. Uh, still, our qualification dreams won't die. I kind of almost wish they would, but we'll get back to that. We'll keep an eye on it. I want to start off with a bit of a weird one for us, Jan. I just come across this story and I wanted to get your feedback on it because we had, I think, a similar take on this whole story about basically, okay, the Saudi League is going to be whatever it will be and it may well end up being something quite massive long term. However, Stevie Gerrard and Jordan Henderson's team recently, I think the most recent game, was a 1-0 defeat against a team called Khalid al Shuai. Uh, they played in front of Jan 696 fans at the King Abdullah Sports City. Uh, they have recently played to similar crowds, 976 in, in a win that they had in September. Um, there was more people 
at a, a game, according to the Liverpool Echo, uh, where Clitheroe beat Newcastle Town in the eighth tier of English football last Saturday. Um, and I'm reminded that Aleti fact don't just have Hendo there. They've got Ginny Wijnaldum. They've got Damari Gray. They've got uh, the Swedish lad Robert Quaison. They've got Jack Hendry and Moussa Dembele. They've also got Jesse Lingard training with them, but I don't think he can sign. There's a lot of well-known names to us there. And it must be such a culture shock, man, playing in front of basically three men and a dog. Uh, what a what a turn up for these men to be involved in this thing. I mean, is this the payoff for taking the money or do you do you see it building? I mean, it's hard to get a picture of it. Yeah, but I don't I don't quite know how it builds, Trevor. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. if they don't come for the first one, you know, this is it now, bang, Stephen Gerrard's arrived, Steve, Jordan Henderson, they've all arrived. If you don't come for the first one, what are you waiting for? Uh, so, I mean, uh, what would you say, 600 not people? I mean, when, when I was a manager at Kidderminster Harris, it's the crowds we have for the pre-season game when we play Hale's own Harriers, you know, it's like, that is just yeah. bonkers, isn't it? Bonkers. Wow. I mean, this is the problem, isn't it, Trevor? You know, it, there's, there's no underlying, you know, history. And this is this is why the English football generally is so strong, isn't it? That is why the TV company I work for would rather purchase the rights for the championship than La Liga and Serie A. Because unless the big boys play Italy, Italy or Spain, we don't have any viewers. But we have more viewers for clubs with history. And there's a lot of clubs with history in, in, in the championship. You know, even clubs like Preston have got great history from years. So they've got fans, haven't they? So that's like the underlying strength of English football, isn't it? It's it's the history, isn't it? Uh, everybody kind of knows. I mean, Notts County, you know, what in the fourth tier of football, and they've got massive history, haven't they? Um, obviously, Saudi Arabia don't have the same. I'm not suggesting that. Football out there, it's, it's not a new thing. It's been going for years, isn't it? But obviously, to, to this extent, it's, 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 it's brand new, isn't it? So, bonkers is the only word I can say, Trevor, bonkers. Yeah, it, 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 it must be a real culture shock for the lads themselves. Um, not that anyone's going to feel even mildly sorry for them when they, yeah, as usual, make the money point. But anyway, I just thought that was an interesting one for us to start on. Uh, we have so much Liverpool news and uh, topics to talk about. Um, since we last spoke, uh, we've had the very encouraging return to Premier League uh, form, which saw us win the Merseyside Derby. And an interesting thing that happened immediately afterwards, Jan, um, was that the reaction appeared to be driven, I will say, very much by the media. Um, I was watching on TNT. I think it used to be BT, whatever the hell it is now. Um and the commentary team there, the guys in the studio, uh, the, the the commentators and pundits all were driving this narrative that Everton had been hard done by, that the refereeing decisions were very um, uh, biased in favour of Liverpool. And the fans, you know Everton fans, they have a tendency to lean into the moan and uh, they have been talking about refereeing decisions ever since. It's a bit much to take. It's hard to listen to. You have to have a little smile on your face, though, and just cut them a little bit of slack. We've been doing our moaning lately. But 
I think to describe that win, Jan, as anything other than completely deserved, when you look at the facts of the game, I mean, 26 shots by us to their six, six on target to their one, 78% possession of the ball, and their 213 passes, Jan, in the entire match, is the lowest of any team this season. So they were poor. They had one chance at the start, the very first thing that happened in the game, a cross came over and uh, Calvert-Loon has a tame header on target that Ali scoops up easily. And another long ball, I think, from um, uh, Pickford to Calvert-Loon could have, on a, another day, seen him in. But they had nothing to offer, yeah. And it was as comprehensive, I thought, as wins get. Or am I being a little bit one-sided? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, I, I didn't see the, the, the coverage on, on TNT, whatever, because I was at the game. Uh, I think possibly the biggest problem for some fans is that Liverpool didn't play as well as people would have hoped for. But yeah. the moment that Everton went to 10 men, I called it in commentary. There's only one way this game can be played now. We've seen two, well, we've seen three games this season where we've gone a man down. But... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. We've, we've managed to maintain a threat. You know, we we, we, we managed to... Look at those. Look at them games as if we still tried to win the game. Everton's was once they went to ten, maybe it was about one thing. Wanna can we get to ninety minutes without conceding a goal and, and steal a point? And it was only a matter of time, wasn't it? Having said that, you didn't sit there with that feeling uh, that it was coming. Having said that, I was surprised at half time when when Everton. I wasn't surprised they made a substitution, but I was surprised they went to a back five. Uh, but then obviously a back five and three in front, they just packed the area. Uh, and, and we just struggle a little bit with ideas, isn't it? And then, of course, there's the incidents, isn't it? I mean, the penalty. I do struggle with with, with penalties these days, Trevor. We had a penalty in the Arsenal, uh, Chelsea versus Arsenal game, uh, which I just find baffling because there is no way you can defend a situation like that William Salabi for Arsenal did without putting your arm up because you simply fall over. You wouldn't be able to yeah. keep your balance. The one against Everton is slightly different. The one against Everton tick boxes, doesn't it? You know, you have boxes it needs to take for it to be penalties. And Michael Keane did all of those things. You know, he had the arm out, he made himself uh, uh, wider and he hits his arm and whatever. It's it's in today's football. It's it's a penalty, isn't it? And then, of course, you have the, the, the potential second yellow card for Okunate, which, again, it, it's subjective. Uh, so, as I've often said, Trevor, with subjective things, we look and we move on because that's what subjective it's about, isn't it? You might have a different view to some of the other people, isn't it? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the referee has looked at that and gone, there is no way in a million years that Beto 
will get anywhere near that ball. Yeah, he will never get that ball under control. He'll never be able to get to that ball first. Is that in accordance with the law again? I don't know. Had he gone, I couldn't. I couldn't complain about it uh, because of the line they've, they've had for yellow cards this season. The fact that he didn't go, I, I think I can explain it. Subjective. The referee went. He's not controlled. He never will be in control. That was not his ball, and for that reason, he's decided. Enough's enough, isn't it? And then, of course, people are going, but in two minutes, Klopp removes him. Uh, Konate, uh, I don't know, Chavitz. I listened to Klopp coming home on TalkSport, and he was asked, I think it was by BBC, and he went, can I just have a break from it all? You know, and I agree with, yeah, but it's, you know, it, it, it is besides in that, there was an incident with the Brighton game the other week, wasn't it, where they've decided at the end of it, which was a very good game, they've decided to go straight to, you know, whether Pascal Gross should have been sent off or not. When you think, well, okay, it's, it's obviously part of the whole package, isn't it? But let's talk about let's talk about the positives of the game first, isn't it? You know what I mean? The 2 2 Liverpool Brighton, good game of football, whatever, isn't it? Well, like straight away, we zoom in on the controversy. And I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of the fact that it's part of. The product, but I think we have to make we. It can't always be headlines, Trevor, because it creates an unnecessary atmosphere. You know, even people who who sit and watch the games and don't necessarily take everything in, and then all of a sudden they come away at the end because the way it's been presented by by the media is that this is the fucking story. Yeah? Well, I don't think it was. I know it's it, it was against us and whatever, but I still think that the game was good enough for that to be the story. You know, so I might, I, I might be different in those ways, Trevor. I don't know how you feel about it all. No, I, I actually agree uh, entirely. And your use of the word subjectivity and subjective is completely right. Because if we're going to push it, Luis Diaz should have had a penalty. And that's my subjective view of that, uh, that he was played. Uh, his body was played. There was no contact with the ball. I, I, that is not a difficult decision to give. Uh, you, there's somebody in the VAR room is making some sort of subjective call on the intent there. So, uh, you know, swings and roundabouts. And someone else trying to say to me, say to me about, oh, they even themselves out over the court. Well, they actually don't, and the, the stats will prove that for Liverpool they haven't and continue not to. And right there, uh, that's a perfectly good countermeasure for me to say. Well, what about this? So I agree with you. It can't always be about the things that uh, the big, uh, you know, attention-grabbing headlines. Uh, there's a there's a bigger thing at play here and that's what I was trying to get at with the opening question that I thought the football that we played whereas it wasn't the standard we want uh, it's not the standard those boys are capable of Mo Salah for example was given man of the match on TNT and he was somewhere between horrendous and shocking for the majority of the game I never saw him cough up possession as much I never saw him take on as, as many dribbles and fail and yet he has two moments of absolute excellence and wins as a game um, so that was the kind of game it was it felt to me that we were playing within ourselves so many of the players not really quite reaching the, the mark 
And it comes down, I think it's interesting where you went with it. Let's look at the managers. So you mentioned substitutes and when everything go off, go off, you mentioned that they went to a back five. They bring on Keane and Patterson for McNeil and Harrison. Now that is screaming one thing and one thing only in terms of tactical uh, intention. And it took us till the 75th minute to break these guys down. But Klopp, by contrast, Jan, and we often can be accused of of, of being critical uh, when we think it's due here, he brings on Darwin Nunes and Harvey Elliott, both of whom went on to have fantastic games, for Gravenberg and Simicas. Jan, he basically said, this is before the Ibu Kanate incident, he basically said, fuck it, we'll go two at the back. I mean, that is, that's audacious. Uh, I, know, I know theoretically it doesn't, it didn't work like that trend was sitting in and all the rest of it, but it was wild and it, it was great to see because both of those those guys came on and had immediate impact. Harvey Elliott, in particular, in the opening few minutes that he was on the park, really looked the business. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been a manager myself, and we got down to ten men, and I, I tend to change the system to four three two. So you keep, as I said before, you keep a threat, and you at least have two strikers, and you have a midfield player to support them, and you look like you still want to play, isn't it? So you can imagine those Everton players. And they, they've had a good little run last game before he played us to beat Bournemouth 3-0. And then all of a sudden now, the manager basically gives up everything, doesn't he? For the hope that you can see it out till full time for a, for a draw, isn't it? And it must have been a nightmare for, for those Everton boys, you know what I mean, having to play in their own box and whenever they got the ball, he just hoofed it. I mean, it was, it was really basic stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. What, what, what they produced. It was... It's a little bit disappointing for Premier League, isn't it, Trevor? We just expect that. We don't expect, Everton don't have the same quality of play as we do, but you still expect them to have a couple who can do a little bit, isn't it? Uh, but it was it, it was poor. And having said all that, Trevor, I'm not sure that they're going to get themselves into trouble this year. I, I think I'm looking at least four teams that are as bad, if not worse, than Everton. Uh, so, yeah, but it's... It always is, I think, Trevor. If Liverpool don't play as well as we expect, then it's a fluky win, isn't it? And it's a lucky win, isn't it? Uh, but as I said, we did enough. We were on a different level to them without being anywhere near what we were capable of producing. And funny you should mention uh, Mohamed Salah, as soon as the game had finished, I turned around and there's John Aldridge doing the commentary for Liverpool TV. You know what I mean? That was the first thing he mentioned. And I hadn't made it, I tend not to make a big deal out of it, you know, because. You really don't need to criticise Mo as such dude because he scored the two goals that's won the game, isn't it? Uh, but what John was like, bloody hell, he said, I couldn't believe it. And I said, yeah, it's, it was one of them days, wasn't it? You know, he was a heavy leg from the world goal. The first time he touched the ball, you thought, bloody hell, it looks like he's got his feet tied together, isn't it? That was just one of them afternoons, isn't it? But when he had to, you know, I liked his penalty, I have to say, Trevor. I liked yeah. his penalty. Yeah, that was uh, moving away from... It was like a penalty he was in control of again, wasn't it? You know, yeah. instead of just blasting it down the middle where you lose a bit of control, there's a penalty he was in control of. Um, and even the second one, you know, it's that's an easier finish if you're right footed from that angle, isn't it? Uh, but with his left foot in, you know, uh, get it in there. So it was all good. It was, and we saw some very encouraging things, like I said, from our substitutes, and we'll get to some of the Liverpool players in a second. But just a word for Everton, because we always like to to, to acknowledge the opposition, and it's very tempting 
when we're dealing with United and Everton um, on fan media to just be completely dismissive. But, I mean, we spent a little bit of time in Raw afterwards talking about how this squad here should not be where they are and should have too much to be in anywhere near the danger zone by the end of it. Because, I mean... Pickford's a very Marmite kind of character but I mean he is the England number one and I guess we can see that he does have obvious talent if he does have a couple of shortcomings and in in young Tarkovsky Brantwaite Mikulenko if they had maybe a younger more dynamic right back that's not a bad back four at all uh, Harrison and Garner Onana McNeil again that's solid Ducouré's in there as well and Calvert-Lewin there are a lot of good players and they were able to take off the bench we saw Keane we know he's maybe just a bit north of a journeyman but he's not bad Dan Juma has, has talent Beto has yet to show the talent but we know he has it Ben Godfrey's on there Idrissi Gay uh, they've got a couple that Charmiti kid who came on they should have too much to be in the danger zone, Jan, but uh, Sean Dyche is going to have to work something out pretty quick because I think the point you made was really interesting. You go down to 10 men, sure, and we've probably given a couple of master classes on what you do there, and you're right, we have better footballers, but at no point did they just like leave one lad up there and exploit his pace or whatever. They had no tactic at all to try and hurt us, and that that's disappointing from Dyche. My, my argument with it always is, Trevor, so I think we can comfortably say that Everton will play 20 league games a season against teams with better players. That includes, you know, playing Liverpool twice and everybody. So they'll comfortably have 20 games a season playing against teams with better players. But you you can't go in to those games with attitude. You, you have to try and go toe-to-toe with them and maybe pick up two, three, four wins in, in those 20 games, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I've never been a fan of Sam Allardyce. I know he was a master of his, but I used to hate him when he used to come out and say, you know, we've earmarked this game. That's why we gave up a little bit in the last game. And I'm thinking, what, what is that all about? I know it's about surviving. I understand the bigger picture, isn't it? But I just don't understand how you as a club move forward. If the moment you're faced with anything of quality, you're fucking petrified. You know, it's you, you've got to find you, you've got to find the bravery from somewhere, haven't you? So yeah, instant what Sean Dice did, I, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, but hey ho, as I said before, Trevor, they'll probably still be okay. Now the debate over Liverpool and defensive midfielders has hit new levels um, in the international break because lads have nothing else to do, Jan, except come up with. Um, galaxy brain ideas and write long uh, multi-paragraph pieces uh, about tactics and I think to be honest my days of reading that I used to write these things my days of reading and writing those are kind of gone I there's a lot more going on in life at the moment so I don't get bogged down in it but you do you can't help but be aware that the conversation's ongoing and Kloppo went with McAllister as the deepest lying midfielder again. And and, and, and this time, instead of, of, of Elliot, he started Gravenberg uh, with Sabozlai. And that unit, I think I'd have predicted, I think you had predicted it the last time, was probably the most likely to get a go in this game. Um, given Harvey's less than stellar 
performance when he started in the last match. And Gravenberg had showed some interesting bits and pieces. And this unit is going to have to be our unit, it looks like, in the big games between now and whenever it is, if we do anything. He doesn't seem to fancy Endo enough to start him, or maybe just not to start him in a derby. So I'm not sure what Endo is going to be for us, if anything. He could be on a long introductory way in like several other players have been under Klopp but I'm starting to doubt that so this looks like it's going to be our unit what do you make of it as a unit did you like Gravenberg some people very high in his performance others a little bit less so Uh, what did you make of that and do you think it has enough about it to keep us going and keep us in contact with the very very top of the league I do worry a little bit about McAllister in that sixth row. Uh, you know, it's all very good and easy criticising him. He is most definitely playing in a role that doesn't suit him. Uh, obviously, it's because we don't have anyone else. And and I think on Saturday, he played because we didn't have anyone else. Otherwise, I don't think he would have played because of the journeys he's been on with, with uh, playing the games out in South America. I don't think he would have played under normal circumstances where we didn't have anyone else. Uh, and, and, and I say that because just like you, when Endo was replaced at half-time uh, in the European game and we thought he was going to start the next one, he didn't. So now we're looking at, OK, here we've got a squad player. He'll probably play in our next Carabao Cup game as well as the European games and, and, and that'll be his bit for the for the time being. We've done this before, Trevor. I mean, does he look like he's going to be able to play in a team that's going to compete for the Premier League? Probably not on what we've seen so far. So, the best option is uh, McAllister. People like to speculate uh, buying somebody in January. We're quite keen on the Brazilian boy, aren't we? Uh, it's 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 still popping up regularly. Uh, you know, so regularly you think there's got to be something in it, hasn't it? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it it is a slight issue, Trevor. It is a slight issue because McAllister's biggest problem is that. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Once they've gone by him, he doesn't have to recover, does he? He, he doesn't recover well as a number six. Uh, so there's a lot of good number sixes out there. Number six all of a sudden has become the most important footballer on, on, on the pitch, isn't he? You know, I mean, it's such an important role, isn't it? Uh, I've always liked the, the boy at Aston Villa, not because he's scored five or six goals this season, but Douglas Luiz, I've always thought he was a good player. You know, another player at City for some reason let go, but he's really playing well at Aston Villa. Again, you're going to be if you want him, you're going to be paying between sixty and eighty million. That's a going that's a going rate because the number six is now in fashion. So it'll be interesting to see 
it'll be interesting to see what we do if we, if, if, if we do anything and we've still got an awful lot of midfield players and we obviously didn't mention Curtis Jones who's, 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 who's had a slightly different role uh, but certainly a, a, a very different way of playing to, to the way that he played is and now he's more of a genie by Melvin sort of type We've been forced into a situation with the unfortunate international break injury to Andy Robertson, which sees us with Costa Simicus looking like he's going to get a long run. And I had several debates with people about this. And uh, again, speaking of Galaxy Brain, I really personally, I'd love to see Joe Gomez get a run there uh, with Trent the other side and and, and Ibu and and, um, Virgil as our back four in the big games. And I understand that that for a lot of people is just overthinking it and perhaps being a bit daft. I could justify it all night if anyone wanted to listen to me. But we're going with Simicus, and I think that was always going to be what Klopp does. He's a loyal man, and he's going to give his um, his man a go. Um, interesting that he was one of the lads hooked. Possibly was explained away to him as purely tactical, and therefore maybe won't get him down. But it's not going to help. And I don't think he did enough in the time he was on the pitch, Jan, to be thinking positive thoughts about himself as, you know what, Robbo's going to get it hard to get back in here. Now, obviously, it will take time, but um, it has me nervous, this uh, this run with Simicast there. I'll be honest, it just does. Um, other people are very, very high on him and think, if Klopp likes him, that's okay by me. What, what, what do you make of this situation that's been forced on us now for the next while? He's always worried me. I, I've, I've never quite seen each other, uh, and I know he's 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 had a bit of plaudits, and you know he has a a, a winning penalty in a, in an FA Cup final, and he he has various things, and and then people have talked to him. He's become a bit of a cult uh, sort of figure, isn't it? But I, I I've never quite got it. I've never thought he was good enough. I never thought he was good enough even to be a, a number two left back uh, for Liverpool because the drop off from number one is such. Uh, yes, I see his quality on the ball. I see that all day and. That's how he started the game against Everton. We're putting in a lovely cross and whatever. He played like somebody who hasn't played an awful lot. So that, we can excuse him. Uh, but I, I, you know, talk about playing Joe Gomez left back. I, I would go the other way and I'd play Trent left back and I'd play Joe Gomez right back. Because I just think that Trent is, is a better footballer and I think he'd be able to play that role better as a left back. And also, Half the time, he could step into midfield from that role. So it wouldn't be a massive big problem that he's not left-footed. So so I would be a bigger fan of Trent playing as a left-back and Joe Gomez as a right-back. And obviously, the one game, Trevor, you know which one that is, and it's the 25th of November when we go to City. You know, If Klopp thinks that Simicas can't do that, I think he might be better off starting preparing for that already now with our next two games uh, what we got Forrest and uh, and Brentford I think uh, so it's, I think we better get, get moving with those games we have one in between which is the one in between I can't remember the 4th or the 5th of November we have another game somewhere and I can't remember where it is it's a, it's a Luton is it Trevor you tell yeah, me it's, we, and we, we, yeah we've got the, we've got the, uh, the, the what's it called the um the, we've, got nothing, the we've got nothing to lose, have we? Trevor, come on. No. 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 Nothing nothing to lose and giving it a go. And and, and it, but again, I'm just glad that you've come up with a different shout like myself. Um it's just 
I, I, I share that lack of pure confidence. But look, it, I think. Do you know what I hate? Do you know what I hate, Trevor? What's that? It's when you have a glaring weakness in your team and you go up against the best and you know there's every chance that they're going to look to expose that. What would yeah. you do if you're Manchester City on that 25th of November? You'd probably put Jeremy Doku, the new player, up against him, yeah. And then just say, just keep taking them on. Keep going on the outside. Keep taking them on with your paces. And so I always hate that when when you have a glaring weakness that should you lose the game, you go, I knew it, you know. Let's remove that then. Even if it means just playing with a rock-solid back four and defend, I can live with that. I can always live with that. Yeah, ex- exactly the same. I don't know whether it's the cautiousness in me as well, but I would always rather that option too. And yeah, just for the record, we're going to come to it towards the end of the show. But our run after Toulouse is yeah, Forest on Sunday, and then we have the Carabao Cup game on a Wednesday against Bournemouth, then Luton, then Toulouse again, and then Brentford. Uh, before that next little stretch of a fortnight or so, um, before we head to City. So yeah, th- these games are going to. Be very very important and I, I think the reality is we're going to need Costa Simicus to start showing some form because I think Klopp's going to be loyal to him um, one last question on the game played just before we move on to what's to come uh, and it's more of a kind of a, a discussion topic than anything else uh, I, I've no interest in getting into we've already touched on it referees or anything like that but just in terms of Liverpool as a team and the way we're shaping up now, we have to have a little bit of context. I'm talking about this, and I'm very aware that Aston Villa are literally a point behind us um, with the same amount of games played. I'm very aware that Tottenham, I think, are playing tonight, aren't they? And they have an opportunity to go um, back to three points ahead of us. Um, these are all things I'm quite clear on. But we are within a point of Manchester City with the same amount of games played. And Arsenal, for all the fanfare about them, are literally only a point ahead of us with the same amount of games played. You'd have to say, Jan, that it's been a very, very solid start in terms of points on the board. And that thing we were talking about, show before last, if we can keep in touch, you don't know what's going to happen. Like if we can get Rodri to get Deli Belly for a few weeks... They're right in trouble. Without him, they're bang in trouble. Um, and I don't trust Arsenal or Spurs to hold on to any kind of lead. I have the feeling, Jan, that despite the fact we thought this was going to be a season of transition, we might be able to hang in there at least until Christmas, and then all bets are off, aren't they? So we've played nine league games so far. I think we've played one 90 minutes where we were outstanding, which was against yeah. Aston Villa. Yeah. So we were outstanding that day. In the, all the other games, there's been some inconsistency. But when we've had our good periods, in all them games, we looked as good as anything in the league. And that's kind of what I'm holding on to, isn't it? Of course, you would like to have more outstanding 90 minutes than what we've had. But I think we've shown enough in the periods, in our good periods, in the other eight games to suggest that you know, we're, we're going to be as close as anyone to challenge the City. Plus the fact that we, we also have, we might not have as much experience in the squad in terms of that because of the boys that left in the summer. But it isn't always just about 
the players that are left. It's also something about this like moment we're in. And, and, and this moment we're in as a football club lends itself to an awful lot of experience winning the league. And that includes our fans and our younger fans being educated in what winning takes and what it looks like and what it t- tastes like, isn't it? And I think that's that's important. There, there are things that Arsenal and Spurs and whatever don't have. And there are things that we go back to before we won the league. Yes, we won the Champions League. But we kind of go back and you think, do we know how to do this? You know, and I and I think that although a lot of experienced players have gone, I think as a club in this era, I think we do know how to do it. And by that I mean everybody. Yeah. I mean the board, the fans, the manager, the players. You know, I, I think we all know how to do this. This is no longer something that you need to be a certain age to be able to remember. You know, so I think in terms of that, we have a massive advantage. The only other club who's got that is is, is Manchester City, and none of the others. Uh, I've got that. And I think that's, I don't know what it is, Trevor. I don't know how you explain it. That in itself is as important as, as almost anything you can have. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. And, 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 and hopefully that's kind of what I meant by all bets are off because I think if the belief has built uh, to the level it could by Christmas and we're right in there I think you know maybe a recruit or two who knows uh, what way that pushes things and we have two games to look forward to before you and I can speak again and we start with Toulouse and just for the sake of of filling folks in because I honestly wouldn't know if I was listening to a show like this Toulouse are actually sitting I think exactly at the halfway mark. Oh no, sorry, they're a little bit below halfway in the in Liga. They are on eleven points after nine games, and they are nine points off the top. Um, so kind of nowhere at the moment in terms of their form domestically. Um, just to underline that, um, their last few games. Uh, they had a one-all draw with Rem. They had a one-all draw with Brest. They actually managed to beat Lask in the last round of the Europa. They did have a 3-0 win over Mets. Uh, lost to Lance and uh, had a one-all on the opening day with Union Saint-Gilles. Now, that's not exactly stunning in terms of form. I would have thought theoretically these were going to be the strongest team that we had to face in this group only because of the record that they've had in European competition in the past in terms of getting reasonably, doing reasonably well and being involved in Champions League and stuff like that. But that form, that position in their domestic table would not lead you to be too nervous about it. The reason I bring it up is because our... um, a group table is quite interesting to look at. We are now on six points after two games played, and we have two lose next, who are on four points after two games played. And you get the feeling, Jan, don't you? If we were to get this win over to lose, if we were to uh, cement this result at Anfield uh, on Thursday night, then it's going to be very, very difficult to topple us for top of the group. And as we said, top of the group is not just a nice thing to get. It's almost a necessity because of what it does for you in the next draw, the preferential treatment you receive for the next draw. Uh, And the win over Toulouse, if we can manage it on Thursday night, would really set us up for that. I think maybe one more win and we could be fairly confident of of being top of the group. Yeah, I mean, I I can't add an awful lot in terms of Toulouse as a team. I haven't seen them play. Uh, I've, I've had a little look like you have, Trevor. 
they they look like they're the draw specialists. They draw an awful lot of games. There's not a lot of an awful lot of goals in their games, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, I think we we have a tendency that the teams we know from the French league, PSG or Monaco or or Nice or Lyon or whatever, uh, but the rest we don't know a lot about. So I think in many ways, without being disrespectful, this is sort of a typical French team. Uh, you know, they're, they're physically strong. Uh, I'm not particularly sure they'll enjoy playing away from home uh, in an atmosphere like that one at, at, at Liverpool. It'll be wholly different when they're at home. They're very strong at home, very difficult to beat. Uh, but by the time we go there, yeah, I'm sure that a draw will be more than enough. So what, what do I expect? I expect them to come with no ambitions. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be quite happy to obviously avoid defeat, but they'll be quite happy, I think, even to take a small defeat and, and take that back to France with them. Uh I think if we have everybody fit, I think we've got two teams who are capable of beating them. And I do think that we'll see a number of changes on Thursday. It'll give an opportunity to, to one or two of our first-team French players, but also an opportunity to a couple of our maybe younger players to to, to give a little bit uh, of, a, of a run. I'll get a bit of a taste for it. Isn't it? Anfield will be a sellout, be a good atmosphere. I think we'll be OK. Yeah, and, and it, there is the real delightful bait that the double over Toulouse, like I say, because they're in second spot, the double over them would pretty much guarantee us top spot. And that's a real uh, that's a real carrot dangling right in front of us there. And look, these games are more interesting for us to look back on because, like you say, we're not we can't be at this stage familiar with the opposition necessarily in terms of saying anything too profound about what they're doing or what particular threats they have. I try clicking on their team, yeah, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. You know the way you check a, a European team out before we're playing them. A name or two might look familiar. Uh, not being in any way uh, expert on, on 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 French football, nothing screamed out at me at all. I didn't recognise any of them, so I have to have the humility to admit that. So I'm looking forward to talking about it after the event with you on the next show. But it does leave the main event, which is the game against Forest again at Anfield. It's nice to have all these home games in a row. Um, and, to, you know, it could be very good and important for confidence. This game against Forest is a completely different uh, thing altogether. Their last couple of games, uh, to give people a little bit of an idea, they had a two-all draw with Luton, which is not too impressive for anyone. A nil-nil draw with Palace at Palace, which is possibly a bit better as a result. One-all with Brentford. These boys might be the draw specialists as well. City obviously beat them 2-0 at City's place. Another one-all with Burnley at Forest. And they had a 1-0 win over Chelsea back on the 2nd of September. That's their run as things are going at the moment. Previously that, they'd gone out of the EFL Cup. So, again, just for argument's sake, the last team that went out for Forest was that 2-all against Luton and you and I have spoken uh, just soon after we started the season about the amount of players that, that Nottingham Forest were signing uh, over the last couple of campaigns they've really got thrown the, the kitchen sink at it and they started with Turner they had Aurier uh, Boli, Murillo and Tofolo and a couple of those names would be familiar to people from previous uh, clubs uh, across the back four they had Dominguez, Mangala and Sangare again a couple of those players familiar from previous clubs in the midfield and Morgan Gibbs-White, 
Chris Wood and Elanga made up their front three and the bench for Nottingham Forest for for those who are interested has uh, ex-red Nico Williams uh, check Kuyate came on uh, they had Joe Worrell come on um, other names that people might know uh, I'm not really sure about any of those Andre Santos Niakate Vlacadimos again not sure about any of those guys myself I don't have any um, familiarity with them Forest in the league you can see yourself Jan you know where they're set uh, it's not looking too clever for them but I mean there are a lot of teams worse off they're in 15 spot with 10 points three ahead of Everton who we were just talking about should have enough to survive so what kind of challenge are we looking at here is this one you expect us uh, to ride out and is there anything we need to really watch out for with this lot so I I can't make my mind up about Forrest since he got promoted uh, which is now almost 18 months ago they've signed 40 players Trevor 40 players yes bananas I mean that is bananas I don't care what anyone says and then I look through those 40 names and I swear Trevor had I been a Premier League manager I wouldn't have signed 35 of them and that's not you know I look and I go so in the summer they took Elanga, you mentioned before, from Manchester United. I don't see it. I don't. They took Hudson O'Doyle from Chelsea. I don't see it. Young kids, but in my opinion, totally, totally overrated. They took the boy Sangare from PSV Eindhoven for, I think, for 30 million. I don't get it either. He's a number six. But, you know, you talk about these press resistant number six who are good with the ball. This boy is not good with the ball. For me, he's too slow for the Premier League. Uh, having said all of that. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My LibertyShield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. They're difficult to get rid of. So when you look at their results, they don't lose three and fours. They're always in the games. The dangers, yeah. they're always in the game. And they've got options, you know. Like Chris Wood, wherever we think of Chris Wood. But you get the right ball to Chris Wood, he's going to hurt you because of the way he plays. Uh, they have one player, Morgan Gibbs-White, who I think is their outstanding player. Uh, but, but but it is hard work for him because he, he almost has to do most of the attacking uh, on his own. So I don't sit here and think, although they went to Old Trafford, didn't they, and went 2-0 up, and then through the, the, the lead and lost the game 3 2, isn't it? But I'm not sitting there with the feeling that this is a team that comes to Anfield and give us an awful lot of problems going forward. But I think they can give us problems in how that they're organised and how well they defend. 
So I don't expect it. I'm not here to suggest that we're going to beat them four or five. I think it'll be a typical, typical, typical Nottingham Forest game where it's tight, it's physical, they're in it. They're in it with not a great deal of quality, but they're still in it. That's their strength, isn't it? That they stay in games and I expect them to be able to do that on Sunday. Do you think uh, we saw enough? Because we never really nailed this down from you in terms of your your take on this particular player. Do you think we saw enough from uh, Mr. Gravenberg to retain his place? Or ironically, did Harvey Elliott come on and play in an advanced attacking role, which we all know he can do, and turn Kloppo's head around again to such an extent that he may start him now? And we'll be faced with exactly the same issues when it comes to the defensive side of the game again if he starts in midfield uh, in a three. I, I, I have my doubts as to what's going to happen here. I, I, I would be leaning towards Gravenberg getting yet another run, but I, I can't really call it. Uh, the only other one that's controversial, I think, is Darwin Nunes should probably start, I would have thought. Um, what's your feel on both of those? Obviously, we can't predict Clapo. No, we can't predict and obviously because of the game on Thursday, after the game on Thursday, we'll know a lot more because of who has and who hasn't played. Uh, I thought Gravenberch in the first 35 minutes was excellent uh, and then he fell off a little bit. Uh, but but I still think that in the long run, you know, Curtis Jones is probably still ahead of him because Klopp likes that the balance in that midfield when it's McAllister, Shabosley uh, and... Uh, Curtis Jones, he likes that balance. And, you know, good teams is all about... This is the one thing, the problem I have with Forrest is that they're okay sort of thing, but I don't quite see the balance. And the balance is so important, isn't it? Uh, Darwin Nunez, I mean, I sort of understand why he doesn't didn't start the game, uh, but others did. You know, Luis Diaz had always opened away, and others did, didn't they? And, 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 and he had a really special game against Brazil. Uh, Darwin Nunez and then you think you know this is the thing that we spoke about the other week Trevor isn't it that he very much feels like somebody when he does something he gets on a roll doesn't he and mm-hmm. we've had a couple of times where go on and now is the time isn't it? and then Klopp has had him back on the, on, on the bench isn't it so yeah I totally agree I mean I thought Diego Schotter did, did okay against Everton because he, he popped up in those little areas you know where he's so good at uh Sometimes technically he's not perfect, and we kept popping up in areas where Everson didn't want to defend against him, isn't it? Uh, but 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 I would think is Nunes ahead of him. Uh, I don't. It depends on what Klopp think. What does Klopp think? How does Klopp think? Fellas are going to play defending. Uh, we're going to play against a low block. Then he might just decide he wants to go with Shotter again because of the areas that Shotter pops up in. Interesting. It surely is interesting and we're going to finish the show a little bit early in a minute with your prediction as always. I just want to get a little bit of um, nostalgia in here because I follow an account on Twitter and they're fantastic. Shout out to Davo La if you're listening. Uh, tremendous account for picking up little snippets from as far back as the 70s through the 80s and 90s. Um, things that people wouldn't otherwise see. Goals they wouldn't otherwise see. And there was a, a goal there uh, from Craig Johnson, a headed goal where Rushy uh, finds him at the back post with a left foot across. And they're wheeling away and you can see the excitement. And obviously it, it, it's 85. I think it's your first. No, it's not your first season, but it's it's a season where you were there. And I was struck by the kit. We had some 
outstanding kits back then. This was the white one, the white Adidas one with the crown paints with the three stripes and short sleeves. That was quality. And why do we start overthinking things in the in the new in this in these new years? Like it's simple kits like that are just. I mean, they're they're untouchable, right? It was fantastic. Did we wear the red shorts that day? In black. Yeah, black shorts. That's why I asked because sometimes we did put black shorts with, with 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 that kit, isn't it? But I mean, it wasn't a big thing back in the day because the football clubs never sold as many replica shirts to fans as they, as they do today, uh, and there was never the same focus on kits. But I have to say, Trevor, when we put on that one, you know, we, we felt like Elvis. You just look smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Look at me and mine, you know. <laughs> And the, 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 there's something magic about a, a, a white shirt, isn't it, Trevor? You know, yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah. fresh I, about a white shirt, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. So yeah, until you, until you got into one of those '80s pitches, yeah, and then you know you had uh, some brown streaks on it pretty quick. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, those those were the days. Uh, just let's finish as we always do with how you feel it's going to go against Toulouse and then Forest. Well, obviously, Toulouse will, will, will depend on who we start with, isn't it? Uh, and as I said before, they will come with very little ambition. So I think we'll beat them 2-0. Uh, and I actually, as I happen to think that when Forrest roll into town on Sunday, it'll be a similar thing. Uh, I even think that a lot of people always go against these opposition. It's about the first goal. It always is, but maybe not so much against Forrest because if we score early on, they won't change. They will just play the way they have. So... My predictions are tune on Thursday and tune on Sunday. Both to the boys in red. Fantastic. Fantastic. We love to hear it. And I just want to say, as ever, that's uh, fantastic. Another fantastic show. We're finishing a couple of minutes early. If you're feeling cheated off another seven minutes of Jan, I can only apologize. That's my family. just been my family and I've just got to run away into the night. So thanks to Jan again, as ever, mate. It's been a belter of a show. Thanks for that. No problem, Trevor. And, uh, as I said before, on and on, was in a little international break before we go to City, isn't it? But there's a few games to be sorted out before then, and I trust that the boys can uh, get it right. Yeah, that's the run that we're going to focus on, folks. On will be on the spot. We'll be here, obviously, next week again to talk about another two games and look forward to another pair ahead. So uh, you can, you know what to do. Basically, keep it here. Uh, keep it with Jan. Keep it with myself. Keep it with Malby on the spot. Frontfield and Next Pro. We'll talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.